Cramsval Caffeinated contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This was the best part because this is just so me. (laughs) She goes, so we go to go hang out. And we go to go tubing. And she was like, and then we show up and everyone's just drinking. And then there's two, they're too drunk to tube. And I'm like, Lauren, <laughs> you showed up to a tubing event thinking you were actually going to go tubing. And she was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, yep, that's me. <laughs> that's so funny. She was yeah, like, she, she takes after you. <clears throat> yeah, she was like, they were too intoxicated to <laughs> tube. That they wouldn't let us tube. And I'm sitting there like, I'm not drinking. I don't care. Aww. Like, oh, Lauren, I love you so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm just tired. And I just roughing it. But, you know. So, how are you? Uh, well, okay. So, let's officially, officially start. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. Sometimes <laughs> while <well> caffeinated. <laughs> I'm Marissa. <laughs> I'm Abby. How so was the sad. rest of your day yesterday? Uh, the rest of my day sucked. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Um. So I got. So we finished, and it was. Mm, I would say ten fifteen ish, ten thirty. Mhm. And I was like, okay, I got to get up. I'm going to run to the store. I need to go get my meds. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I go to Walmart. First off, if this wasn't a sign of it, I started to walk in the direction of where I thought I parked my car and then realized that I parked my car the opposite direction. So then I had to start <laughs> walking that way. <laughs> Second, I get into the car, drive to Walmart, get to the counter. I get to the counter at like, I got there. At 11.39, because I texted my boss, so then I walk up to the counter, and I'm sitting there, and people are just looking at me, not asking me, can I help you? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, okay. So then this woman, brand new, clearly, because she had no idea what she was doing. It took, like, five minutes for her to just hit the refill button on my prescription. Oh, no. And they were like, oh... It'll be 15, 20 minutes. I was like, perfect, because this is the first thing I did, so now I'm going to go shopping for my other shit. Mm -hmm. So my prescription wasn't given to me, and I know that it wasn't ready, because she was like, I still have to fill out all this information, until 12.10. So you had to wait a little while. Yes. And so because of that, by the time that I got back to campus, lunch was no longer being offered. Oh, no. So I went to the staff meeting or the training at 1230 because I literally pulled in at like 1228. Mm-hmm. And I wake-up wrap from Duncan that I never got a chance to eat during the podcast (laughs) into my pie hole. 
I didn't get to eat until 4.30. So you were cranky. Uh, yes, but someone did bring in buff chick dip, so I ate majority of it. Ooh, that's and nice. It was super good. That's but nice. I feel like I'm doing better today. I good. watched the new episode of The Outsider. The only thing is, is that I'm not used to something that feels so much like a typical murder mystery whodunit case to have a supernatural element Mm -hmm. but I know that that's like Stephen King's thing yes so I should have expected that Mm -hmm. how about you um I didn't do too much um Anna and I went to Chuck E. Cheese with her uh nieces and her nephew okay I thought you were gonna just say you went to Chuck E. Cheese just the two of you and I was gonna be like that is the weirdest and creepiest thing I think I've ever heard you say (laughs) no I don't think we would go to Chuck E. Cheese by ourselves as two adults that's no you'd go to like David Buster's if you were trying to do something like that yeah exactly um so we did that we went to Chuck E. Cheese with her nieces and her nephew. It was really fun. Um, the kids had a really good time, so it was Did you it was wash good. your hand? What? Did you wash your hands after? Why? Well, there's just so many children there. I'm just assuming that you'd get sick again. Oh, yeah, probably. Um, I went to the bathroom and I washed my hands before we left, but... Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the dumbest thing I think I've ever asked. I know. Like, you're such a weirdo. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, okay, what are you drinking in your coffee? Um, today I have, this is, I think, the Atomic Brewing Company, which they're out of Salem, Massachusetts. And, um, yes. Yeah, and I'm drinking their... favorite places. Hell yeah. And I'm drinking uh, their cold blue, cold brew blend, but hot again. Um, nice. Any and notes? A, I don't know. I didn't read the notes this time, but <laughs> I put some uh, I put some peppermint mocha syrup in there. So nice. yeah. And of course, got those 12 vitamins and minerals for my Ovaltine. So. OK, sounds good. Mhm. <laughs> but do you have it in a specific cup? Um, I have it once again in my alpaca mug that says alpaca lunch. So. Hell yeah. Oh, so I'm having. Uh. I am having mine in my pick your poison cup. Mm. Which I feel like is fitting. Mhm. Um, and it's pumpkin spice. Uh, creamer in Ovaltine. Really? No. <laughs> I was like, yes, I've convinced you to try the 12 vitamins and minerals. No, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, pumpkin spice and pumpkin spice, and I'm pretty sure it's... Um... Pumpkin spice? Yes. Uh, the, ha- <laughs> <laughs> the Hannaford's brand... Of okay. cake cups, so mm. nothing too special. But I dropped my reusable K cup 
that I put my Starbucks grounds inside. Mm-hmm. I dropped it in the trash. Oh, no. And I haven't had the time to clean it. So, yeah. so sorry. So instead, you're going to ruin the environment today. Yeah. All right. We got to we, we gotta get into this. We've been... Yes, thank you. Thank you for our TED Talk. Now, so uh, whose story is less of a bummer? Because mine is definitely less of a bummer. Um, is there a murder in yours? No. Okay, then I'll go first. Yes. Okay, I'm really excited for mine because I was inspired by yours. Ooh. Um, from the previous episode that we recorded, I was inspired by that story to do something that's kind of like lighthearted and like kind of funny. Oh, yay. Okay. So I had mentioned this one, I think two episodes ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting a lot of this information from the Los Angeles times back in 1995. Mm -hmm. It is a, a, the fuck plus episode of the dollop. (laughs) Again, and, doing a dollop episode. Yes, but the dollop episode was the dollop and my favorite murder. Oh, nice. Okay. So they guest starred on the dollop and they did this mm-hmm. crime. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever heard of Batman other than Batman? The Batman case. <laughs> <laughs> um, No, I don't think so. Batman. Okay, so there was this woman named Dolly O.S. Nope. <laughs> We're going to talk about Dolly O.S. Driach. But we're going to call ostrich. her Dolly. Ostrich. Yeah, that's, you want to say ostrich? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Dolly Ostrich, for just this, um, was born in Germany in around 1880s. Oh, okay. Uh, Long time yes. ago. So this is a little older of a case. Mm-hmm. So she was an American housewife, and she had married this uh, guy named Fred William, and then the crazy last name, Ostrich. Uh, he was a pretty rich guy who owned a lot of textiles. Uh, So she was rolling in it. Nice. Okay. At the time, Dolly was 33. And, you know, she kind of picked up the whole typical housewife gets bored because her husband's always at work. Mm Mm-hmm. And... One day her sewing machine breaks, so there's this worker from the textile factory um, that Fred sends over, and his name was Otto San Huber, 17 years old, and this was around 1913. Dolly opens up the door in nothing but stockings. And a bathrobe. Hell yeah. Um, 
So he's 17, she's 33. So oh, never mind. Not hell yeah, not hell yeah, not hell yeah. <laughs> well, at the time, yes, hell yeah. Um, so they start by so today's they, standards. No, by today's you. standards, no. By their standards, yes. Um, so they start a love affair. And um, I believe that in the dollop, they said that her sewing machine was bo- broken eight times a day. What? Oh. He okay. was a repairman. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Nice. So her neighbors started to be like, why does this guy keep showing up to your house? I would be like, why don't you just buy a new sewing machine? <laughs> just saying. Fair point. It's like, your husband runs a textile. Like, I'm sure you can find something that works. Yeah. Um. So she ended up telling people that uh, Otto was her vagabond half-brother. Okay. So, yeah, they're having this vicious love affair. Vicious as in, like, eight times a day is a lot. That is a lot, yeah. That's... We're getting into, like, rabbits territory here. Uh, yeah. Um, the fact that they didn't have children is, like, very strange to me. I know. What kind of birth control are they using in the 1880s? I'm assuming the... Or ninth, early 1900s. <laughs> yeah. So... She was like, okay, we can't get keep getting caught like this because eventually someone's going to bring it up to my husband. Mm-hmm. So, and this is one of the best parts, Otto, a 17-year-old man, quits his job and moves into the attic of Dolly's house. Oh, my God. This is the, this is the one you brought up when I said, like... When I was talking about my uh, my other case, yes. my poison case. Yes. Okay. So, in order to get into the attic, you had to go into the closet, and then there was a trap door on the ceiling of the closet. Yeah, I'm familiar with this concept. Yes. So, that's Otto's new home. Um, he was told to be quiet, to not make any noises up there. He had a, a little cot, a desk, because he started to write Pulp Fiction up there. Got nothing better to do. Yeah. Um, and a chamber pot. Good. <laughs> and, um, she kept, like, feeding him, like, milk and bologna and other things that she would give to him. And then he would come down and, like, when um, the husband, Fred, wasn't home, Otto would eat the leftovers in the fridge or wherever the leftovers were. And um, so Fred, first off, had actually thought he was going crazy because he kept hearing these weird sounds and then his leftovers would be gone. <laughs> Dead serious. I'm so serious right now. Fred was like, what the fuck is happening? What um, happened to my leftovers? 
Yes, pretty much. Also, you know, I'm assuming that Fred and Dolly would have sex occasionally. So you've just got like this man up in the attic listening to the sounds of his lover having sex with her husband. Well, that's uh, the downside of sneakily living in your lover's attic. One of the downsides, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess one of the downsides. Um, other than the fact that he... Oh, he also... There was one window in the attic and he had to stay away from it so that people didn't see him out the window. Oh, I know. He's like a little, little hermit boy. Yes. Sorry. The So Wikipedia has this line that's like, not only... Would this put him in closer proximity to his lover, but it would also give him time to pursue his dream of writing pulp fiction stories. <laughs> uh, Two birds, one stone. Yes, Otto would later describe himself as being enslaved by Dolly. Hmm. Which, I mean, isn't far off. No, it's he not that far off. Slave, pretty much. Yeah, and he's a lot younger than she is, so she's the one that's like has the power over him and is kind of the manipulator of the situation so oh yes oh yes um so this i believe went on for i think i think in total five years oh my god but i'm pretty sure that three years into this fred's like yo let's move to california because they're in wisconsin and Dolly's like, fine, but our new house has to have an attic. <laughs> yeah. So Fred's like, sure. Okay. Sounds good. Um, so uh, Otto gets sent there like a couple days prior to the moving so that he can get into the attic. <laughs> Okay. Oh, also, Otto gets published while he's living in the attic. Wow. Yep. Well, good for him, I guess. Yep. So Fred remained unaware of the border. Um, though several occasions he came close to discovering uh, the deception. On August 22nd, 1922... After overhearing a loud argument between Fred and Dolly, Otto thought that it sounded dangerous and as if there was physical harm happening. Okay. So Otto jumped down from the attic and with a a 25 caliber pistol in hand, um, he shot Fred three times, killing him after a struggle. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the two lovers then hastily, this is what Wikipedia says, the two lovers then hastily staged the scene to look like a botch burglary. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the parts of this was that they took Fred's wristwatch off and was like, oh, see, his watch is gone. Someone took his watch. <laughs> Someone took his watch. It must have been a burglary. Yep. And Otto also uh, 
Yes. So it says Otto pocketed Fred's diamond watch while Dolly hid herself in a closet. Because that was the other thing. So Dolly locked herself into the closet or Otto locked her into the closet so that when the cops showed up, there was no question that Dolly wasn't a part of it. Mm. Because they'd be like, well, she can have locked herself in here. Yeah. Um, did they do anything else besides take the watch? Like, did they destroy, like, so did they, they take any other? So they probably, like, threw stuff around. Yeah. Um, so Otto had locked the closet door from the outside, tossed the key aside before returning to his attic refuge. <laughs> and this fact played a major role in the police being fascinated as to not press charges. So the police couldn't press charges against Dolly because they were suspicious of her, but the door was locked from the outside. The key was thrown to the side. So obviously she couldn't have done it herself. Yeah. So with no knowledge of Otto and the house in the attic, um, Otto was at large for eight years eventually moving to Canada, changing his name to Walter Clean, and marrying another woman before returning to Los Angeles. So, wow. good for him. <laughs> um, so, Dolly had married somebody else and then gifted him that watch. Oh. So, that's where she kind of fucked up. Dolly. And I'm pretty sure that she had married... I'm pretty sure that she had married her defense lawyer. Nice. Because, you know, keep it close, I guess. Yeah, what better way to get a good defense, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. your lawyer is really not going to make, really going to make sure you don't go to jail if uh, you're sleeping with your lawyer, so. Yep. Okay, so. Uh, freed from the marriage, she became fond of her estate attorney. So I lied. Not her defense lawyer. Okay. Um, so Herman Shapiro was his name. She gave him the diamond watch, which he recognized as the one that was supposedly stolen in the burglary that led to her husband's death. She explained that she had found it later under a window seat cushion. Mm, likely story. Mm-hmm. So, while Otto wrote his books in Pulp Fiction, Shapiro spent long hours in court, so Dolly took up an affair with a businessman named Roy H. Klumb. She begged him for a favor. She had a gun that looked just like the one that killed her husband. Hmm. She was worried that police might find it and suspect her Hmm. of murder. Hmm. And she worried that the police might find it. So, how to get rid of it? So, there's these tar pits in Los Angeles. It's called, like, the La Brea tar pits, where Mm -hmm. people... It's just, like, a naturally forming tar pit. So, um, she wanted him to go throw the gun into the tar pit. She told the same story to a neighbor 
who buried the second gun in his yard. What the fuck? Oh, also, I need you to see a picture of this woman. Oh, boy. Send Um, me a picture of her. I'm going to. Let me get a... I'm not even going to mention anything. I just want to get your natural reaction. Oh, boy. All right. Here it comes. Okay. I'm ready. Oh, my. Are those her boobs? Yep. Oh. Wow. And this woman was like a master seductress. Well, yeah. I mean, her boobs hung down to her waist, so. That literally, like, that's literally, like, belt level. You're, mm-hmm. like, you're, that's so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Did they not have bras back then? I'm sure that they had bras. I'm pretty positive they had bras. All right. Well, she needed a better one. Yes. Um, so, for listeners, I'm sure that Abby will put one of the pictures up on Instagram, but this woman's boobs, one-off. I think that the dollop described it as it looks like a small child. Yeah, it's very... (laughs) Is, like, under her shirt. Yeah, like, it's a very weird lump. Don't look even. Yeah. And they're just... They're literally down to where her waist should be in the picture. (laughs) Which, I mean, like, girl, good for you. But that just seems like a lot of back pain, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought mine were bad, but. (laughs) No, no. Well, there you go. At least, you know, if you ever are arguing with your boobs, you can think, well, at least I'm not Dolly. Yeah, at least I'm not Dolly Ostrich. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Dolly then broke off the affair with Clum. He told police about the gun in the tar pits. So good for him. So on July 12th, 1923, this was almost a year after the murder, um, police found the gun near the oozing tar and arrested Dolly. This is coming from the Los Angeles Times. The day's headlines hit. The neighbors walked into police station with a second gun but both were too rusted to determine whether they had been fi- whether they had fired the fatal bullets. Oh my god. From jail Dolly pleaded with Shapiro to buy groceries for Otto. As, <laughs> as Otto was still in the ceiling. <laughs> Did he know what had happened? Uh Otto, or do you mean, um... Otto. Otto, did he know that Dolly was in jail? Uh, probably. I mean, if someone else was bringing up groceries, like, yeah, probably. Um, so Otto was starved for conversation, because no one's there to talk to him. Uh, began telling the attorney the lurid tales about his ten years with Dolly. Uh, Shapiro issued an ultimatum and 
Otto left the state. Which I think is when he went and married someone in Canada. Mm -hmm. After uh, Dolly was released on bail, Shapira moved in with her, but not into the attic. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I sneezed. Oh, no, you're good. But someone, the author of the Los Angeles Times article wrote, Shapiro moved in with her, but not into the attic. (laughs) It's a real dig right there. Yeah. The charges were eventually dropped, but in 1930, after seven stormy years with uh, Dolly, Shapiro moved out and came clean. He told authorities what he knew. A second warrant was issued for Dolly's arrest. She was charged with conspiracy, and Otto was charged with the murder. The papers dubbed him Batman (laughs) after learning that Otto uh, was living like a bat in the cave. Mm -hmm. The jury found the jury found Otto guilty of manslaughter in spite of his defense that he had been enslaved by her. But the statue of limitations had run out, and so he was let free. (laughs) Wow. He was 43 at the time. Wow. That's a long time before you got actually caught for what you did. Yep. Um, So, Dolly's conspiracy trial... Uh, famed attorney Jerry Gessler won a hung jury, and Dolly was also free for the murder. In 1961, remember, she was born in 1880s. She died at the age of 75, less than two weeks after marrying her second husband and 30-year companion, Ray Burt Hedrick. Wow. And that is the case of the man living in the attic. That is incredible. Thank you. If Again, if you want to fu- like listen to the story, the dollop and Karen and Georgia from My Favorite Murder, it is hilarious. And some uh, of their earlier episodes. Yeah, I feel like I've heard... I've, well, I mean, I've heard this case before, so I feel like I've heard that episode. But that actually, was... it was released on My Favorite Murder. Oh, okay. So then I've probably heard that yeah. episode. But it's yeah. it's really good. This was one of their... This was before Karen and Georgia started to tour. Mm-hmm. So you can tell how early it, it is in their podcasting days. Yeah. So, okay, your turn. Right, that was a good one. Thank you. Thanks. And I was looking on the BuzzFeed Unsolved YouTube last oh, night. Yeah. yeah, and I found uh, a video describing this story. Because, um, you know, they have videos on that channel that aren't like, um, they're not this, they're not. Shane and Ryan it's it's like different people telling different stories well yeah so I don't know if you've seen but Shane and Ryan have separated from BuzzFeed <gasps> no I didn't that's so depressing well so 
they're still going to be in a few seasons. I think that there's, I think that because BuzzFeed realizes that the people that they've made videos with keep separating to do stuff on their own because the lack of creativity that they can really have with it because of the company name. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they might have signed a contract. And this is just me assuming. So don't come after me, BuzzFeed. I believe, because they said, yeah, we'll be in a, like, we'll be in episodes of of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, but they started their own channel called Watcher on oh, YouTube. Oh, I did not know that. But that's, and, yeah, um, I know that when you, like, ha- sign a, your contract when you work for BuzzFeed BuzzFeed owns all of your like creative projects that you make while you're there so BuzzFeed owns the like unsolved idea concept even though Mm -hmm. it wasn't like even though the idea was created by them it's uh not their property now they so just quick um thing they have an episode or they have a new tv show on Watcher that is Shane does a puppet show (laughs) and it's called puppet history so he teaches Ryan and not Ryan yes Ryan and um the I'm totally blanking on his name but one of the guys from the worth it videos oh okay Mm -hmm. um he he does the puppet show for them excellent and it is hilarious Oh my god. He has a Shane has a puppet called the Professor who teaches the whole thing and he looks like a blue he looks like a blue Elmo with a little safari hat and the glasses. It's really <laughs> funny. So check it out if you if you want a good laugh, that is great. And then Ryan has a new TV show where he interviews people as he brings them through a haunted house. Oh cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Sorry, um, tangent. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so this video that I found, um, I like loved this story. I thought this was hilarious. I am going to talk about the 1966 theft of the Jules Rimmett Trophy, the World Football, aka mm. soccer, soccer World Cup trophy. I've never um, heard of this. Okay, so I'm gonna explain a little bit about. So the the Jules Rimmett Trophy. Um, was the original prize for winning the World Cup. It was created, well, it was named after the FIFA president, Jules Rimet, or Rimet, um, who was the person who passed a vote to initiate the World Cup becoming a thing. So he's basically like the founder of the World Cup. Nice. Yes, and so the cup is about... 14 inches tall, weighs about 8.4 pounds. It's made of gold and other metals. Um, it's not solid gold, but it, it's made with gold. And in 1966, the trophy was worth about 3,000 pounds, which I don't know what that would be in today's money. And also, it's a big deal. Like, Europe, they take their soccer, football very seriously. I will call it football for the sake of not enraging uh, people who are not American. Um, well, at this time, we don't 
have any UK listeners, so I feel like you should be fine, but just in case. <laughs> um, no, but that's in 19, in 1966. 3,000 pounds in 1966. Sorry, Anna's Googling for me how much 3,000 oh. pounds in 1966 would be today. <laughs> I um, was going to say, I was like, what? I was like, you mean the UK wasn't created in 1960? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So, um, yeah, so it was worth about 3,000 pounds, um, but it was insured for 30,000 pounds um, because it was, again, like I said, taken very seriously. It was a big deal. So in 1966, the Football Association received the trophy uh, before the next scheduled World Cup in that that coming July. Mm-hmm. And so the the cup was usually kept in um, the Football Association's headquarters at Lancaster Gate. Um, but it was like occasionally it would be occasionally moved for like publicity events. And in February, <laughs> this uh, Stanley Gibbons Stamp Company, which I don't know why a stamp company wanted it, but okay. The stamp company was given permission to lay it at their Stamp X exhibition, exhibition in March on the condition that it would be under guard at all times. Um, so the exhibition was held at Westminster Central Hall. And it opened on March 19th, 1966. And it was uh, a pretty big attraction, like the... You know, there was a lot of people coming in to see the cup. Um, it was a very big deal. And so during the day when people were allowed to visit, there was two uniformed officers guarding the cup as well as two, um, like, undercover or, like, uh, plain clothes. That's what they call them, plain clothes officers. So, like, there were, they're not in their uniforms. They're just kind of, like, hanging around as, like, backup And then there was other guards that stood beside the display cabinet when the exhibition was open and when people were coming through. Um, But, uh, like, nobody was watching the cup, you know, 24 hours or anything. Like, it was... They had some guards. They did what they thought was appropriate. The exhibition opened on March 19th. So on March 20th, when the guards began... um, some of the guards were beginning their shift they noticed that someone had forced open the display um and stolen the trophy so the person had like the the trophy was in a display case um that had like a wooden bar screwed into the back of it so whoever stole it unscrewed the wooden bar left the screws in the wooden wooden bar on the floor removed the padlock from the back of the display and took the trophy and left so somehow somebody did this um before noon like was this was this a broad daylight kind of job I don't know but um so yeah and none of the guards had seen or heard anything Scotland Yard uh took over the case they gave the jurisdiction of the case to the to their flying squad, which is a special section of Scotland Yard that is only called in when there's, like, extreme emergencies. <laughs> because Okay. This, <laughs> because this cup was stolen. <laughs> Good. 
it's just funny to me that they took it so seriously. Like, it was such a big deal. Um, so officers interviewed the guards. They interviewed people who worked at the uh, exhibition. And really, there wasn't, there was not a lot of, like, witness statements. Like, a couple people said that they thought they saw, a, like, a man behaving unusually or something. Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody really knew um, what had happened. Nobody had really seen anything happen. The next day, March 20th, March 21st, Joe Mears, who is the chairman of the Football Association at the time, um, got an anonymous phone call. And the man identified himself as Jackson and said that he had the trophy and that he was going to leave a package for Joe Mears at the Chelsea Football Club. And um, that would have the directions or instructions uh, for moving forward, what to do next. The next day, they got the package. The thief had put a part of the World Cup in the package to prove that they actually had it. They knew that this was, like, real. And there was a ransom note in the package. Yes. That demanded 15,000 pounds in exchange for the safe return of the World Cup. So, or the trophy. Just make a new trophy. (laughs) Nope. So, well, actually, okay, so what happened was um, secretly Joe Mears, after this happened, Mm -hmm. um, had commissioned somebody to create a replica trophy um but keep it a secret because like I I don't really know what his motivation behind doing that was but he like had a replica of it made secretly yeah emergencies yeah I don't know or like oh it could be when they're transporting it they transport the fake one too in case someone wants to steal it um they, I'll, I'll explain what they use the replica for in, okay. in a second, but I, I just don't know what his motivation was of keeping it, like, a secret, like, it's just strange to me, but anyway, he gets the ransom note saying 15,000 pounds and the uh, trophy will be returned safely. The letter also requested that he, Joe Mears, put a ad out in the local papers. Mm-hmm. Um, saying something like, Joe will help you get the job done, or something like that. Something very strange and cryptic, but it was supposed to be, like, a message to the, um, to the thieves that he was going to return, that he was going to pay the ransom. So it was like, if you're, if you, if you agree to pay the ransom, put out an ad in the newspaper with this statement on it, and that's how we'll know that you are going to whatever that you're going to pay us the ransom Mm -hmm. so then so he did he did what they said he put out the ad but uh the letter also stated that if they told the police um the thieves would destroy the trophy melt it ruin it that's why they didn't go to the well that's why he joe mears didn't go to the police right away so he got he gets another phone call um from this jackson person um, confirming that he's going to deliver the ransom. So he decides, Joe Mears decides to contact the police anyway, and they decide to set up a sting operation where there's going to be an undercover detective 
from the Flying Squad who is going to act as the uh, like the person who's delivering the ransom. He is going to pretend to be Joe Muir's assistant and meet up with this Jackson and give him the money in exchange for the trophy. The police contacted a bank and created a false ransom payment. Okay. So, so a bank filled a suitcase with some bills and mm-hmm. underneath the bills was just like stacks of regular paper. Yeah. Um, or like newspaper, like just regular paper was underneath so that it looked like the suitcase was full of money, but it wasn't. So they had to wait the next call from Jackson to set up where the like meeting would take place. So when Jackson called again, they told him that Mears, Joe Mears was not feeling well. Like his wife answered the phone uh-huh. and said um, that, oh, he's having an asthma attack right now. <laughs> it's a weird oh. excuse. Okay. Um, so she's like, oh, he's having an asthma attack. So he can't come himself, but we're going to send his assistant. We're going to send his assistant with the money to you. And that was the undercover detective. So Jackson was nervous about this, but he eventually agreed. And he told the assistant, who the fake assistant name was McPhee, to come to this specific park and to meet him at the gate. So he drove to the park and there was um, unmarked cars like following to which mm-hmm. was undercover police to keep an eye on the situation met up with Jackson showed him the suitcase full of money Jackson was like okay but the assistant said i need to see the trophy first before i can give you the money so Jackson said okay i will you can drive like, you drive, I'll get in your car, and I'll show you, like, where the trophy is. Jackson gets into um, the assistant's car, and mm-hmm. they're driving. Uh, Jackson's giving him directions. And then Jackson realizes that there are cars following them. And so he starts to get nervous. And then um, at, like, a random traffic intersection, he tells the assistant to stop and he's like oh the trophy's here I'm gonna go get it and then he runs away I'm like weirdly kind of rooting for the the criminals right now oh uh unfortunately the criminals do not get away with this well yes I guess that much but I'm like wow he's trying to think of all these ways to get away from (sighs) yeah he didn't run out with the money so yeah, he didn't run out with the money. He just kind of, I think he realized that there were police and he like dipped. So uh, the detective followed Jackson um, first in a car and then chased him on foot and ended up getting him in someone's like backyard and um, like was able to apprehend him and arrest him. And the police recognized Jackson as soon as they brought him into the station. He was a man named Edward Betchley, who was a, a thief who had had and a used car dealer. And oh, he good. had yeah, and he had um he had prior convictions for theft and receiving stolen goods. So he had a criminal history. And he immediately denied stealing it. He said, I didn't steal it. Somebody else stole it. And I'm just the middleman. Um, this man who I don't know his real name, I just call him the pole, which is a weird 
nickname for somebody. It's like, oh, this man named the pole is the one who stole it. And he just gave it to like, he just gave me the instructions to get the ransom. He said that the, the pole offered him 500 pounds to um, negotiate the ransom and all that. Uh, you'd have to pay me a lot more than that to negotiate with police. Yeah. So, well, it's not with police because he said if you call the police, we're going to destroy the trophy. But it was with this, like, high up president of the football association. Now, did you say what the trophy is made out of? It's made out of gold, not pure gold. It's made out of, like, gold and silver and, like, other metals. So then just um, melt it down and sell that. That's what they were going to do. They said if if you don't pay us the fifteen thousand. Yeah, um, but I'm saying like why? I'm saying why screw around with something that you could potentially get caught for, of the, uh, like trying to get a ransom when you could just melt it down and probably get like you're guaranteed the the portion. Yeah, I don't know. This guy was just not a really smart person. Okay, just saying. The only problem when they had apprehended uh, Betchley is that they did not have the cup. He didn't have the cup on him and have the trophy. So, um, but they knew that he was like, he had it or at least knew where it was. And so he said, oh, if you guys grant me bail, um, I'll tell you where the trophy is. And he was denied bail because you know, that would, he would be a super duper flight risk if, if they were like, okay, you can go free if you let us know where the <laughs> trophy is. His next proposition was, okay, if I have to stay in jail, you have to send, um, a sex worker to me. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, you, you give have me- to do shit. It's like, if you give me some private time with a lady, then I will tell you where the trophy is. And they were going to grant him that and were going to go through the process of finding somebody for him um, before the trophy was recovered. So this is my my favorite part. Like, my absolute favorite part. So this is how the trophy was recovered. On the 27th of March, a man named David Corbett was walking his dog pickles and (laughs) so he was walking pickles through um southeast london where he lived and uh pickles started to sniff at a package that was kind of lying under a bush in front of uh corbett's house so he picked up the package and it was wrapped in newspaper and tied with string and so he he uh, opened it up and Lo and behold, there is the trophy just hanging out under a bush. So he brings it into the police station and he's like, hey, I found this trophy that was missing. Because this was like big news. This was a very big deal that this trophy got stolen. Um, And he recognized it as soon as he saw it because it had like engraved like the previous winners um, team, the previous winning teams on it and stuff. So he knew right away what it was and brought it in. And the police initially suspected that he had something to do with it because he was the one that like brought it in and so he was detained and questioned and you know pickles or pickles was (laughs) interrogated i'm i'm imagining that pickles is a corgi pickles is not a corgi he's like a like a like a shepherd 
Like some kind what? of shepherd. You ruined that for me. You know how I feel about corgis. Okay, let me send you a picture of Pickles, though, because he's so cute. Okay, fine. I'm going to send you a picture of Pickles. He's so cute. Uh, he's such a good, good boy. Okay, so. Good boy. <laughs> good boy, Pickles. So uh, they were able to, after interrogating poor David Corbett and his dog Pickles, they were able to determine that um, Corbett was not involved in the case and just happened to be, like, he just happened to find the... um... Oh, Pickles! Is he wearing a necklace? Yes, so hold on. (laughs) (gasps) Did he get an award? He sure did. (laughs) So they were able to determine that David Corbett and Pickles had nothing to do with the crime and were just, in fact, innocent bystanders who located the trophy. So the police announced you, the... Rec- you, mean, you mean perfect citizens is what they were? Right. That's right. So they were able to identify the trophy as the real original trophy. Um, and... They announced the recovery of the trophy the next morning, um, but they kept the cup as evidence for a little while just to, like, gather the case against um, the case against Betchley. Um, Betchley ended up being convicted of demanding money with menace, demanding money with menace with intent to steal. And he got concurrent sentences of two years. Um, so he, he was only given like four years in jail, but he uh, he died after like three years. He died of emphysema in 1969, so he didn't live very long after that. That's kind of <clears throat> that's. I mean, he sounds like he lived a rough life, but that's kind of sad. Eh, I mean, he's like you, some. like you, but like you got like a four year sentence, and you. I know, and he didn't like, even make it. Yeah. So um, after after this, Pickles became a, a kind of celebrity because he had recovered the trophy. Oh yeah, Pickles, Pickles. was Pickles was awarded medals of honor by the Scotland Yard, which is what he's wearing in that picture. I love this. Pickles was awarded a medal of honor, and he was also um, uh, he appeared on TV and in a couple of movies. He became a very <gasps> famous. I <laughs> became, love this for him. I know. And then he was, uh, oh, he was also awarded Dog of the Year in the UK and oh. uh, Dog of the Year in Italy. Italian Dog of the Year. So your <laughs> heart out, Queen Elizabeth II's dogs. Really, like, Pickles <laughs> is a hero. Pickles so is so cute, and Leo keeps looking at me like, "Are you cheating on me with this dog? Like, what is this?" Yes, yes. But he's such a good boy. I'm he's so proud of boy. So, um, Warner was probably like, "Stop sniffing everything. I just <laughs> want to go back inside." No, so actually, really, really sweet. They're um in the end of the Busby video. They. Just, uh, they read a quote from David Corbett, and he's like, "Pickles was the perfect dog. He Aww. was so good to me. I know it's like he's talking about the dog, and it was so sweet." Oh, <sighs> yeah. Um. Rest in peace, Pickles. 
R.I.P. Pickles, we we love you and we miss you. So David Corbett, Pickles' owner, was also uh, given some uh, like rewards for what he did. He uh, he was invited to the players' celebration dinner after the World Cup final. Um, was he, he even a fan? Because it would be so funny if he wasn't a fan. I don't know. He lived in England, so he probably was like... Okay, that's like saying that everyone in America loves football. Well. I mean, it's not far off, but... I would... Like, I don't love football, but if I was invited to go to a, like, the... If I was invited to go to the Super Bowl, I would go. Okay, fair point. Yeah. So, anyway. So, and uh, David Corbett ended up um, getting about 6,000 pounds um, of, like, reward money for returning the cup. And he and used I, all of it on beds and toys for pickles. No, he, he ended up buying a house with it, and he was, like, like he lived... The, in the BuzzFeed video, they're like, he lived out the rest of his days in the house that Pickles helped him buy. That's <laughs> so sweet. I'm gonna cry. So, yeah. Um, was it just the two of them? Like, he wasn't married? No, no, he was, I'm pretty sure he was married. He had a son, because I know he's, oh. he, he talked about um, his son. And uh, David Corbett talked about how he got Pickles. I guess he got Pickles because... Uh, his brother, David Corbett's brother, had adopted the puppy and didn't want him because he was like chewing up all his furniture. So he was like, oh, I'll take him. And so he's like, you know, Pickles was the perfect dog, um, except for the fact that he hated cats. That was it. (laughs) Oh, I'm a little offended now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, I get it, Pickles, but still. we We love Pickles. Oh. Long, long live, long live pickles. He's forever alive in our hearts. So, interestingly enough, um, pour some coffee out for pickles. <laughs> yes, pour some coffee out for pickles today. Um, interestingly enough, uh, at the World Cup, um, the team that won—I forget which team they said won—but um, the trophy that they were given was the replica trophy and not the original because they were so nervous about um (laughs) they were so nervous about it so they ended up like they replaced they gave them the original afterwards the team but like during their celebration with the um with the cup they gave them the replica yeah Interestingly enough, in 1970, uh, Brazil was given the Jules Rimmett Trophy after winning the World Cup for a third time, and Brazil kept it for a long time. I don't know why, but in 1983, they kept winning? I guess, I guess. So, but in 1983, the trophy was stolen again. Damn it! <laughs> Where's Pickles? And this time we didn't have Pickles to save us. There was a football club agent um, who had his, uh, who had some, like, accomplices help him steal the trophy. And well, they... Well, you fired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
so it's it's actually really interesting like i don't know if they had like mob or like gang connections or something but they all ended up dying like this guy and all of his accomplices ended up dying in like weird ways like one of them was on his way to testify about the the theft and died in a car accident on the way to testify yeah, for sure He's, yeah, yeah. So this feels like it feels like mob connection type of stuff with me for to me but anyway Oh yeah, so one so it was the the mastermind was that football club agent. Then there was um it's uh an ex police officer. Ooh. Yeah. And then another guy. And so they all these three guys um stole the trophy in the middle of the night and uh they also stole two other trophies that were on display in the building. And um they ended up getting arrested, caught pretty quickly, but they claimed that the trophy had been melted down already. Mm. Uh, but they they never they were never able to find um, proof. Like they tested the like gold that was input that they had in their possession, and it wasn't the same gold as the trophy. So it's just very interesting. Oh, and also, the person who led the investigation said the trophy would be worth much more if it was left intact. So that must have been why the um, mm. why the original guys who stole it uh, didn't um, melt it down. Yeah. When upon receiving their sentences, all these three guys, they all like fled, um, and then one of them was shot to death. Um, another one was rearrested and then got out of jail in 1998 and then the third guy died um in a car accident on his way to testify the year that the jules remit trophy was stolen again um joe mears the president of the football uh the president of the football association he died of a heart attack or no not heart attack angina he died of angina and what is angina it's a heart problem. It's similar to a heart attack, but it's not the same. Yeah. Some people pronounce it angina, but I, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced angina. Severe chest pain that spreads to the shoulders, arms, and neck caused oh, yeah. by inadequate, inadequate blood supply to the heart. And the trophy was never recovered. And wow. Um, after that, a replica, the replica was used from then on. Um, and that is the story of the theft of the World Cup and our hero, the Pickles. good, good boy, Pickles. Nice. That's so cute. I know. Oh, it was the best Pickles. story. Yes. Was, like this, the video was called like how a dog helped solve, uh, the theft of the World Cup. And I was like, oh, I have to watch this. I have to watch this. And then when it got to the part where they were like, the dog's name was Pickles, I was like, no, this is so cute. Oh, so adorbs. So that was a good, lighthearted, innocent crime. Not innocent. Like, not a, not a murder. Although yeah. there was, there was some murder involved in Brazil, but, uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so cute. Oh. Okay, well, what are your positive vibes for this week that you're looking forward to? Positive vibes. Um, 
I don't know because we just did this yesterday. So, um, <laughs> uh, let me think of some other positive vibes. Oh, um, or something good that happened to you in the time. Well, uh, season two of Sex Education just came out on Netflix. So <gasps> I have to watch that. Yes, I'm the very excited. The first season was so good. It was so good. I, I love heard that, that the show. first. I heard that the first scene is uh uncomfortable. Oh boy. Of the second, the first scene of the second season. Yes. Oh boy. I mean, based on the still that I saw, I'm assuming that the main character uh learns how to masturbate. Well, he did in the end of the first season. Yeah, I thought so, but I don't know. It looked like it was a shower scene. Oh, boy. So that'll be interesting to watch. So that's your positive vibe. Um, I'm also looking forward to watching that. I feel like I've got a lot of, like, good TV shows that I, like, have gotten into the groove of. Plus, uh, the part three of Sabrina comes out this week. Oh. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm in this, like, weird vibe where I have no music that I really like right now. Mm. So, you know, I'm running into to that, which is sad. So I'm glad that I have something TV-wise to watch. But uh, my homework was done yesterday, so I don't have to do homework today. So I'm just going to relax. Good um, for you. In between my eight evals with my students that I have to do. Oh, God. Yeah. You're sad. But, yeah, I think that I'm just going to chill, take some time for myself. And uh, maybe try to snuggle Leo. He's been whining today, and mm, then I, I, I hear was him. Like, yeah, I was like, "Why are you? Why are you whining? Why are you whining?" And I like took a video of him, and then all of a sudden he ran to the bathroom, and I was like, "Oh, he has to poop." <laughs> oh. So, uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, mm-hmm. rate, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and other platforms and uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. we are at caffeinated crime pod mm-hmm. and we make pretty pretty frequently updates and uh, new coffees that we're trying and just us with our cool cute coffee cups so Don't forget to follow us. And uh, yeah, thanks. We'll see you. Ah, I gotta stop doing that. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) We will talk to you. We will. We'll talk to you next time. Next next week. All right. I'm I'm not drunk. (laughs) Nope, hopefully not. It's 10.30 (laughs) a.m. Yeah, well, you never know at this point. (laughs) 